Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. I'm excited to share with you a message I believe the Lord has given me that is going to challenge you and strengthen and encourage your heart for the journey God has you on. Thank you again for joining us. you got your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, this is just kind of a one Sunday sermon today, but um, I want to talk about something. I, we've referenced this story many different times, but I want to read this to you, and I apologize to the, um, to the guys at the back. I'm going to add some scriptures. We're actually going to go all the way to verse 23. We're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. Are you glad to read the word of God? Also, just very quickly, if you're able tonight, we have our spiritual gifts class tonight. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of spiritual gifts. How does it operate? What does it look like? And uh, you're welcome to come to that at 6 o'clock. If you didn't, if you weren't able to come last week, you can still come. If you'd like a spiritual gifts test, if you would see Pastor Ethan afterwards, you can take it this afternoon and bring that with you. So, amen. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians, Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him and he, and he, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that he may send and get him. And it was told, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounded, that surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away that they went there to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more to the land of Israel. Father, thank you for your holy word this morning. Thank you for your word that speaks to where we're at in our life and speaks to where we're going. 
So, Father, today, speak to our hearts right now in this moment. And may we leave full of faith today, believing you for the impossible. Thank you for this time together. We ask all these things in the matchless and the holy and the marvelous name of our Lord and wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Ghost and all God's people together said, Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you and I'm trying and you may be seated. want to preach this this story today and walk through it with us and what is the Lord saying to us through this story so let me just kind of set up the scenario once again for you here is Elisha and and when we find out in this chapter that a lot of things are going on this first part the first part of the chapter an axe head floats and I preached on that before and I love that story at the end of the chapter we see a famine has come to Israel to Samaria A, a famine has come so much so that they would literally, they were literally buying the heads of donkeys for an astronomical amount of money, which I'm guessing there's a whole lot of meat in there and it doesn't taste very good if it was. And then also, they literally sold droppings or dung of doves for money. They're in the middle of an economic crisis. Groceries are skyrocketing, gas prices are high, inflation's at an all time. Oh, sorry, I got to the wrong country. My bad. My bad. Wrong country. No. I am glad that, 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 that the Bible speaks to even where we are at. And in this moment, here is Elisha, and the Bible says that the king of Syria wanted to go and raid Israel, wanted to ambush them. And so he would send in these raiding parties, hey, go and just set up and ambush the people. And he would go in his bedroom in private, and he would whisper and say, this is what you're supposed to do, but don't tell anybody, y'all go do it. And, and every time, the word of the Lord would come to Elisha, tell Israel, don't show up right there, because if they do, they're in trouble. And so Israel wouldn't be there. And the king of Syria gets upset, and he calls his servants and goes, hey, hey guys, I got a question. Who is on the side of the king of Israel? Like somebody, there's a mole up in this house. Somebody is telling everybody what I'm saying. Who is it that likes Israel more than us? Just come tell us. And, 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 and the servants say this. They say, it's not one of us. It's Elisha. He's a prophet. The Lord speaks to him. And he hears what is said in private. And he tells the king of Israel. Let me just pause there for a moment and say this to you. Oh, that the spirit of Elisha would be in our churches today and in our pulpits today. May we still be willing to speak the word of God. I don't mean this bad, but this is not a time in America for spineless preachers that won't stand up and tell the truth and won't say anything. We need the fire of God to come from our pulpits once again. We need preaching preachers that will stand up and boldly declare, thus saith the God. We need churches that will stand up and say, we're not ashamed, we're not scared. No matter what they do to us, we will declare this is what God is saying to us. And may Landmark Church always be a church that doesn't cower down to culture. It doesn't worry what society is saying, but we will declare the unadulterated word of God to say who what God is doing in this midst, in this moment. Amen? If any preachers are watching, preacher, you better preach. Preach the gospel. Preach in truth. Preach in power. Don't be scared of their faces, but you declare the word of God and let the Holy Ghost do what he wants to do. Amen? 
I feel like preaching this morning. I got my microphone. They said, do you want a headset or a mic? I said, give me the mic. I preach better with my mic. Give me my mic. Actually, my headset broke. That's why I'm holding this. But that just sounded really good right there, so I had to say it. Amen. So Elisha's not scared of what they're going to say. He, he declares the truth. And in that moment, the king of Syria says something. Go surround them. Go take them over. And so one morning, the servant wakes up. When the servant wakes up, he looks out and he sees chariots all around them. He sees all around them is the enemy. Have you ever felt like the enemy was surrounding you? Have you ever felt like there was more against you than there was for you? Have you ever felt like life was surrounding you and choking you out? And here is the servant, and he's so scared, he literally just runs back inside. And he says, my master, listen, there's something going on out here. And I love Elisha's response. He is like the most calm, cool, and collected dude in Israel. He just strolls out, looks, and goes back in. And he just says this, do not be afraid. And then he prays a prayer. Lord, help this young man see the truth. There's more for us than there are against us. And in that moment, his eyes are opened and he sees chariots and horses of fire surrounding the other army and surrounding Elisha. And he realizes there is more happening than we can see. Listen, this morning I want you to know there is more going on than you realize in your situation. All you see is what is against you. But there is more going on than you know. The Bible says whenever they built the Temple of Solomon, and I use this over the years, this illustration because I love this. When they built the Temple of Solomon... They did not use hammer or chisel. They went and picked up rocks and they put them in place. In other words, you couldn't hear anything that was going on. They didn't have the hammer and the chisel there sitting there building it out there. So you could be sitting at your house in your lazy boy talking to your spouse and saying, those, those dudes must be lazy today. They're not working. I can't hear anything going on. Nothing's happening. This temple, hey, we got a time frame. We got to get this thing built. We want the presence of God to fill this up. There, nobody's working. Nothing is happening. And then you go drive by there in your chariot. You you know, every night you just take the chariot out and hang out and you drive by there to see what they've done and all of a sudden you see they are working. You couldn't hear it, but they were doing something. And I want you to know just because you can't always see what God is doing doesn't mean God is not at work. Just because you can't hear something all the time doesn't mean God is finished and God is done. You've got to trust that even when you don't see it, God is still at work. He's still building. He's still moving. He's still making a way where there seems to be no way. He's still making rivers in the desert. He's still making roadways in the wilderness. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean he is not active. Amen? And so all of a sudden they realize there's something going on. But here's what I want to stop for a second and show you. I believe many of us are like this young man. We have been struck with our own kind of spiritual blindness. We're going to see another kind of blindness at the end of the story. But right here, this young man is spiritually blind. I think the problem with a lot of people is we have a secular worldview. Your worldview is how you see the world. How do you picture things? And we have a secular. We come to church and we believe in God and we've gotten saved. But we still have the secular worldview. We're still seeing through things through the, light, the lens of what is going on around us. We still see things by that. And we have the secular worldview that we think all this stuff is really happening when we don't see what is really going on. Some of us have a political worldview. I'm going to meddle for a minute, okay? 
And everything goes through our politics. Do you realize that one time in this country that people would actually come to preachers and, or churches and say, what do you believe? And they based what they, and by that I mean doctrinally. They based where they went to church by what you believed. Mark Lowry, if you know him, he's a, a Southern gospel singer and comedian. And he, he, he has a funny story where he said, my parents went to this one church and they, they taught, when we first went there, they taught the, that the rapture was going to take place before any problems. So it was the pre-trib, before the tribulation. My family loved that. And he said, then another preacher came in. He started preaching that the Lord was coming back in the middle of the tribulation. And my dad didn't want to go through tribulation, so he left and went to another church that taught pre-tribulation because he didn't want to have to go through any of it. So he made sure I'm going to go to a church that preaches pre-tribulation. The, the truth is, though, that is literally how people used to decide church. And nowadays, they come and ask first, where do you vote politically? Because we've become the divided states of America, not the United States of America. Because we base everything on how do you vote. It doesn't matter what you believe about the word of God. It doesn't matter what you believe about God. Just as long as you check the same box I check, then I'm okay. And we have the wrong worldview. I believe what God wants to do, number one, is to give us a kingdom worldview. God's kingdom is bigger than this world. God's kingdom is bigger than the United States of America. God's kingdom is bigger than the Republican and the Democratic Party. God wants to give us a kingdom worldview. Where I Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. I don't want to see everything through just the lens of this one thing. I want a kingdom worldview. I want a Christ-like worldview. How do I look through the lens of Christ? How would Christ, let's go back to wearing the bracelets again, WWJD. How would Jesus respond in this moment? How would Christ respond to this circumstance? God, give me a, a worldview that is Christ-like. Help me to see things the way I'm supposed to see it. And then finally, I believe we need a biblical worldview again. We need to ask ourselves, how does God stand on this? Where does God in this place? One of my, my, my the favorite in Acts, I love this idea. We were talking to the board the other night. I, I use this example. I love this idea. In the book of Acts, it says this, that it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Let me just back up and say, if it sounds good to the Holy Spirit, you should do good, do it, whether it sounds good to you or not. Okay, you understand? But their point is this, when we came together, we all agreed it sounded good to us and the Holy Spirit. And I believe we need a biblical worldview. What does God say about this matter? What does God think about this? Not just what, is, what do I think? Not what do my friends think that like me and don't want to hurt my feelings? What does God say about this? What does the word of God say? How do I have a biblical worldview so I can begin to see things through who Christ is, through what God says? I understand what the world says, but whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the report of the world? Are you going to believe the report of the Lord? Are you going to believe all the the naysayers around you? Are you going to believe what God says? That God says he is for you and that he is with you and we've got to begin to have a biblical worldview to see what God is saying to us. Amen? Many of us have been blinded. We've been blinded spiritually. We've allowed things to blind us and to get us to the place where we can't see things the way we need to see them and there's more going on than we realize but we live in this place in this tunnel vision and we have blind... Listen... We bought a car, I don't know, a, a while back, um, I think maybe almost two years ago, and a Toyota Highlander. I, I, I love the car, no problem, but I had to get used to driving it because it has blind spots that I'm not used to. So if you ever see me going down the road and I'm creaming my neck back and forth, I'm not just trying to look in the back seat to get one of my boys. You know, I, I grew up with a generation where you know, parents were doing this kind of stuff behind the back seat, and you're back there dodging them, you know, this kind of thing. So y'all remember those days. 
But I literally turn every time I, I get over in the lane because I just want to make sure there's not a blind spot. Amen. And if, I, if we're not careful in life, we have blind spots. We have things that creep up on us, and if we don't give those to the Lord, our prayer today is, God, open our eyes to see what, is, what it is that I'm blind to so that I can become more like you. What is it that I'm blind to so I can give it to you? God, show it to me. God, be there. And then, I love this part of the story. Elisha says, God, strike them with blindness. Not just spiritual blindness, real blindness. And we love this part because our enemies are blind, but let, just let, let this unfold before you get too excited. Because Elisha goes up to the leader and says, you can't see who I am, so you don't know who I am. He doesn't say that, but this is what he's saying to them. You don't know me. So you can't see me. You don't know my voice. So, hey, I hear you're looking for somebody. I know where he's at. Follow me. He was kind of telling the truth because he knew where he was at, and it was him. But here's what he says, follow me, and he leads them into Samaria. He leads the enemies right into the place where they can get defeated. And the moment they get in Samaria, God heals their blindness. And they look and they realize we're in trouble. Now we are surrounded. And the king of Israel is so um, surprised. He's kind of sitting like, what do I do? I mean, all this stuff just fell in my lap. The people that are trying to destroy it just fell in my lap. What do we do? And I love, if you read it, he asks him twice. Shall I kill these people? Then he says it again. Shall I? In other words, Elijah, help me. What do I do? Do I just kill them? They're right here. I mean, this isn't even really a battle. This is like shooting fish in a barrel. They're right here. What do I do? And I love Elisha's response. Don't kill them. Give them something to eat. Listen to me. When God heals your blindness, you love your enemies in ways you did not care for them before. And now you want good for your enemies as much as you want good for yourself. Here are the people, and Elisha says this. Elisha's smart. He knows if they kill them, then Syria is going to come against them. And Elisha says, don't kill them. Treat them good. Treat them right and send them back. And the Bible, I'll get more to that in a minute, but the Bible says this. When they left and went home, never again did the raiding parties of Syria come back into Israel. You know why? Because of the way that they treated them. I want you to know this. The, Paul says it this way. If you have people that are against you, you know the best thing you can do? Begin to love them and care for them. And you know what happens? You are heaping burning coals on their head. In other words, they can't stand it. They want you to fight back. They want you to get angry. They want you to get riled up. They want to get a response out of you. But when you have the right worldview, when you're looking at things through the Christ-like worldview and a kingdom and a biblical worldview, now you you are responding the right way, all of a sudden, man, it messes with your enemies because you're not rising up in anger, but instead you are treating them in love the way that Christ would treat them. And all of a sudden, he gives them a, a meal. And I love this. He doesn't just give them a little happy meal. He gives them a feast. He gives them a buffet. He prepares a feast before them, and they eat, and they go on their way. And listen, my prayer is this, that whenever you begin to get the blindness taken off your eyes, you begin to see things different. You begin to see people different. You begin to treat people different because now you are treating people the way you want to be treated. You love others because God loved you. And he only, we only love him because he first loved us. It starts with him. He loves us so we love him back. And because of that now, I can love you. I can forgive you because God forgave the worst in me. I can, I can walk in forgiveness. And listen, many of us are walking around with blindness, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, rage. We're walking around with this blindness because we think we've got to respond a certain way and we've got to be tough and if anybody gives me any junk I've got to give it back to them 
But all of a sudden, when we begin to see things the right way, when we begin to see things clearly, now I realize that my enemies, really, that God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, not so I can gloat and say, I'm eating and you're not. It's so I can invite them to the table and we can stop being enemies and we can be friends. And what God wants to do in your life is not kill the people that you don't like. What he wants to do in your life is restore you to a place to where those people are people that you can sit down with and fellowship with because that is what the Christ-like love looks like in our life. And all of a sudden, this, the blindness that was on them is, is healed, and they see they're in trouble. But when that happens, here's my prayer. God, even if I mess up and get myself in trouble, put me in a place with the right kind of people that can rescue me and help me and save me and not destroy me. Listen, one thing about our church, we want this to be because this is a famous saying, a cliche, but the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. And we don't want this to be a place where we shoot our wounded. We want this to be a place when people come here and they're full of repentance and they want change in their life. We don't just kick them to the curb and say you're done. But we look at them and we say to those kind of people that, listen, God restoreth our souls. He is able to make a difference in that situation. And we can help those people come to the table with us and make a difference. Today, God wants to heal your blindness. Will the worship team join me this morning? I'm almost done. There's a man by the name of... Bob Edens. For 51 years, Bob Edens was blind. Literally blind for 51 years. He saw everything through his sense of smell and hearing. That's how he noticed the world, through that. 51 years. And, and after 51 years, a doctor did an extremely difficult procedure. And for the first time in his life, Bob Edens began to see. He said this when he began to see. He said, I never thought yellow was so yellow. He said, it was amazing to me, the color yellow. He goes, my favorite color is red. But he said, I've never gotten over yellow. Just how beautiful and bright. He said, man, just being able to look at the, the moon at night and the stars. To be able to see things I never saw before. He said, don't even get me started on sunrises and sunsets. He said to be able to see all of this stuff after 51 years of blindness has been amazing. I don't know how old you are or how long you've been blind, but I do know today God wants to open your eyes. God wants you to see things like you've never seen them God wants you to see your life and what he has in store for you like you've never seen them before. Maybe today you are blind to what God wants to do. But maybe, maybe today you realize, I want to see. Maybe there's blind spots in your life. Maybe you have areas that, 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 that have hurt you, that have harmed you, that have caused you to wreck your life because you have these blind spots that you put up. And God today wants to heal your eyesight. He wants to give you the eyes to see things the right way so that you can live the life He's called you to live and you can love others in the way He's called you to. I want to ask you to stand to your feet right now.